Ah, good morning. What a beautiful few days it has been, huh? Just been gorgeous. I've been out walking and just uh, soaking it in and realizing how many people move to Florida and for what reason they do. Yeah, dear God, thank you. Father, we thank you today for your word, that we're going to get into your word, study your word. And Father, that we could, through this uh, study together, through this sharing together, Father, that we would be enriched. And Father, my hope is today that eyes will be open, that paths will be clear, and that we will be able to walk out of here, God, a changed person. Yes, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Uh, this topic today is in John 9. And the title is Blind from Birth. Now, often Jesus would use uh, a physical healing, a physical situation to teach a spiritual truth. And uh, an example of that would be uh, while sitting by Jacob's well, this woman who uh, was getting water at noontime, a Samaritan woman, who came at noon because it was... Only when she could, she was an outcast. So she came at noon, and Jesus was there, and she was getting regular water. But Jesus said, I'll give you living water. And after feeding the 5,000 with two small loaves of bread, Jesus explained that he was the bread of life. At the Feast of the Tabernacles, it was... uh, a symbolic act commencing the time when Moses struck the rock in the wilderness and brought forth water for the parched Israelites. And Jesus there said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And again at the Feast of Tabernacles, after a symbolic act took place commemorating the pillar of fire that guided the Israelites in the wilderness to journey, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And today, the story is going to be about a A blind man who was blind from birth. And Jesus is going to teach this physical situation in a spiritual way where he can show that he's the light of the world. This story in John 9 is really, really interesting. It's got a cast of characters. Certainly it's got a blind man that was blind from birth. It's got Jesus. It's got the blind man's mother and father. It's got their neighbors around them. And it's got the Pharisees. And everybody looks at this differently, this man that's blind from birth. And this man that is blind from birth is going to see. Now, if right now you would, for just a second, not very long, but just close your eyes and look at the darkness. I mean, it's dark. Now, don't keep them closed long. You can open them back up now. I'm not going to keep you long enough that you close them all the time. But I want you to think about that darkness and never have been able to see. Now, Jesus healed a few blind, blind men, but not one blind from birth. And, and the story of the blind man is right after Jesus was in the temple. He was in the temple uh, preaching and teaching. And it aggravated the Pharisees. They didn't like what he was saying because he was charging that he was the son of man. And just before this blind at birth story, the people in the temple took up stones and began to throw at Jesus. 
And so he went out of the temple. And so we start this story in John 9 with verse 1. John 9, 1. And here's what the scripture says. As he walked along or passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. You see, it's easy to pass by someone with disabilities. I mean, sometimes you just don't look. You, you see them, but you don't look at them. You avoid eye contact. You avoid verbal contact. Or if they can't see, maybe you talk too loud. Right? Or you just go a different way. Oh, there's somebody that's begging. He's, let's go the other way. It's the truth. And it's especially true not just with disabilities, but maybe with people that aren't like us. We tend to avoid people that aren't like us. And you could go from the political to the religious to race to color to orientation to married to divorced. The list goes on and on and on. How we can... Not pay attention to someone who is different than us. Maybe we're too busy or occupied. We just don't want to take the time to engage. Or we don't want to get involved. We want to stay away. But as he passed by, here's what he saw. He said, in verse 1, it says, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus saw something that others couldn't see. I want you to know, saints, that Jesus looks at us, and he doesn't see just the exterior. You see, Jesus looks into us, and there's things in us that he can see. There's things in us that he wants to have his hand in and touch. There's things in us that he wants to change. And be sure of this, as Jesus looks at us, when he's passing by us, he stops. He, he wants to look. You see, he healed another man, a blind man, two of them actually in Matthew 9. And uh, in Bethsaida, Jesus healed a man where he spit on his eyes. And another man, a blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, he, he healed him. But this man was blind from birth, and he had never seen. So as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. And, and his disciples, in verse 2, ask him. His disciples ask him, who sinned? You see, there was this prevailing question that we all have when we see somebody that's messed up. When we see somebody that's different than ourselves. When we see somebody that's in trouble. Or we see something that happens to them and you think, yeah, they're messed up. It's their own fault. Or, or if it's not their fault, their parents didn't raise them right. It's their fault. We do this without thinking. We do it just as part of who we are. And the truth of the matter is, good people go through bad stuff. And bad people go unpunished. It's just the fact that sometimes things happen to us. Innocent people sometimes suffer. The belief was, in those days... If the child was born blind or had some kind of issue, it was either they sinned, and of course, how do they sin in the womb? Please tell me. 
It was either they sinned or their parents sinned. And that's an old uh, piece of scripture that comes out of Exodus. And they thought, well, maybe that's what it is. And so the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, he says, neither, but that the works of God would be made manifest in him. See, God can use our suffering to bring him glory. This manifest in Strong's talks about to be made visible. I want you to know here's a man that was born blind. Can you imagine not being able to see? Some of you have gotten sick and maybe weren't able to taste. Man, that would be terrible for me. Or smell. Yeah. But this man couldn't see. Not only was he physically blind, but he was spiritually blind. This manifest means to make visible what's hidden or unknown. If you remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, was taken to Egypt. He was there for many, many, many years. And as he was there, he was in captivity. He rose to a high rank. But his malady of being sold by his brothers actually ended up saving his father and his brothers. You see, the Bible said there in in Genesis, what Satan intended for bad, God intended for good. God can do that with us. It's amazing. Uh, So he said, Jesus said this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. I want you to know that God still is in the works business. Faith without works. Faith without works is dead. God's still in the works business. He's still in the business to work for you. He's still got things for you. You may be going through something. You may not be blind. We may not be able to see what it is you're going through. You may not be able to see through our clothes what's deep within us, but God is still in the healing business. He still wants us to trust in him. And that's what this man had to do. Uh, it said that we must work the works of him who sent me while it's daytime. And he said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle and anointed the man's eyes. You know what an anointing is. When you flow in the anointing, when God anoints you, he, he anoints you for life. The anointing goes with you. He anointed this man's eyes with clay. Jesus says, I am the potter. You are the clay. You see, God still wants to make something out of us. When we're in our worst situation, when we're down as far as we can get, when we can't rise any higher, can't do anything else on our own, this man couldn't make himself not be blind anymore. And he he told the man, he said, he put clay and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back. You see, Jesus anointed him and sent him to sent. God's sending us somewhere in our lives right now in our positions. He's sending us somewhere. He's got a place for us to go. 
He's got a place for us to go despite the fact that we still have issues. I know I have issues. And I'm working through them day by day. I'm still trying to figure them out. But just because of the fact that I have issues doesn't mean I shouldn't serve God. Just because you have issues doesn't mean you shouldn't be serving God. We have issues as a church and as a country. We should be serving God despite our issues wherever we are. Jesus sent him. And I want you to know the man went to the pool of Siloam and he could see. But you see, he still had not seen Jesus yet. He sent him. He washed, but he didn't see him. There's a deeper meaning to this. Like when we first come into salvation, we might understand God. We might have a mental idea of what God is and what he does. But maybe we don't see him clearly enough to understand what God gives us in salvation. Maybe we don't quite understand what God has for us to do in our lives because we've just had our blindness taken away. Maybe our eyes quite aren't focused like they should be yet. Maybe we're just not as mature as we need to be. I was talking to Tracy the other day, and we were talking about someone, and it's like they're just, they're just not mature enough yet. They're trying but they're not mature enough to see what we see. And so we've got to help guide them. We've got to help see what we see through our influence. Verse 9, John 8. You see, when he came back, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, they, they couldn't believe it. They didn't know what was going on. And um, the neighbors said to those who had seen him before, is this a man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, it's him. Or others were saying, no, it's like him, but it's not him. You see, your neighbors, your friends, your family, when you have an encounter with God, when God becomes real for you and you reach out and say, I'm taking God. I, I'm, I'm not doing anything else. I, I need this. I want you to know you need to expect something. You need to expect that the people that you used to know, the way you used to walk, and the way you used to act and think and believe, they're going to say, well, that's not him. That, that can't be him. And others are going to say, it might be him, but I, I don't know. You've got to realize that your family may say, no, no, I've known him all my life. No, it's, it can't be him. God can change you so radically. God can change you so powerfully. I don't care what you're going through. And when God changes you, your eyes may just be open. You haven't quite seen God like you need to see God, like you want to see God, like you desire to see God. And those that used to see you the way you were, they're going to say, ah, that can't be him. Man, he used to hang out at the club with us. Well, yeah, I, I did. But I don't hang out at the club anymore. Well, wait a second. He used to chase on the weekends. Well, yeah. But he doesn't do that anymore. I'm sure none of you have done any of this. And those people that you used to do it with will say, that can't be him. That can't be him. That can't be him. Your parents even may say, 
can't be him. How could he be a beggar all his life and now? He's no longer a beggar. How can he be a womanizer or a man manizer and not do that anymore? How could he know everybody's name at the bar and now he can't even remember where the bar is? It can't be him. How can he read the Bible every day? He, he didn't know how to spell Bible. How can it be? I'll tell you. When your eyes are opened to the power and the love, the grace, the anointing of Jesus Christ, you are going to be different. You may not be what you're going to be down here, but you're changed. And so the neighbors, they, they couldn't decide about this man. They said, no, nah, but somebody like him. or No, it's, it's probably him. And here's what the man said in John 9, 9. He said, I'm the man. It's me. Some versions say he exclaimed it. Because they're arguing, the neighbors. It's not him. No, that's not him. No, it's not him. Yeah, it could be him. I don't know if it's him or not. It's me. No, it's me. Yeah, I am different. I have changed. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm heading there. I've made the first step. You see, repent means to turn. The first turn is the hardest. In anything you do, the first turn is the hardest. To turn away from something you're used to, to turn away from the habits, to turn away from the things you always would do, to turn away from the people that you always would talk to about the subjects you would always talk to. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I said, you know, Jody, it's funny. We don't talk about these things anymore. Isn't that amazing? He, he said it is. It, it is amazing. It's so easy. I'm the man. I'm changed. I'm different. I'm healed. I'm free. I can see it's me. The neighbors, in verse 13, they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes. Sorry about his luck. You're not supposed to do this kind of thing on the Sabbath. Let me ask you, do you care when it is if you're in trouble, what you need? Do you care when it is in any formality? If you're really hurting, if you've got cancer, would you not stand in the center of the intersection at ISB and Ridgewood and say, I'm healed. When you need something bad enough, doesn't matter where it is. But the Pharisees, he was healed on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees didn't like it. And, and, and they asked the man, he said, well, what did he do? And he said, well, he put mud in my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool. He couldn't believe it. But, but even there, the, the Pharisees themselves, some said, well, this, this can't be the guy. Others said, it can, just like the neighbor's. And there was a division among them. Jesus said in Luke, Luke 12, I came to divide. I'm going to divide families because you're going to have to leave this family 
You're going to have to leave this way of life. You're going to have to leave this mindset if you're going to come with me. You're going to have to give up fishing if you're going to come with me. You're going to have to give up this sort of thing to come with me. You can't have it both ways. And so this man, he... He was asked over and over, and he kept saying, I'm the one. So the Pharisees didn't believe him. So they said, well, let's get his parents. And so they brought his parents, and they asked the parents, is this your son? Yeah, this is my son. Well, how did he get healed? Well, we don't know. He said he went and got washed. And, And the parents said this, you ask him. He's of age. You see, the parents said this because if they said that they believed in Jesus Christ, they were kicked out of the synagogue. Ask him. He's of age. You see, even his parents didn't want to get involved because he was different. They had gotten used to him being a blind beggar. They were used to him being over here, and now he can see. They were used to the way it was. We can get comfortable in our sin. We can get comfortable in our way of thinking. And it can just match with what we're doing in all of our life. It's not what Jesus wants. He wants our eyes opened. When you get healing, look around and see who is there with you. So they call the man in. And they ask him, how did you get healed? He said, look, this man named Jesus, he just asked me a question. Did I want to be healed? Did I want to see? Put mud on my eyes, sent me to the pool of Siloam to wash. Well, where is he? He says, I don't know. I haven't seen him. I I don't know what he looks like. But his name is Jesus. And the man said, you've already asked me this before. Do you want to be his disciples? That's what he said to the Pharisees. And they kicked him out of the church so quick, you'd have thought he raised his hands in praise. They cast him out. I want you to know that you're allowed to be cast out of some things when you change your life. You're liable to lose some things. You're liable to have to give up some things. But what God has got for you in store, it's unbelievable. So Jesus came back, and he approached the man. And he asked him. Jesus heard they had driven him out, verse 35, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man, he answered, And who is he? Tell me, so I can believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You've seen him. It's me. I'm the one that's healed you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You see, I don't know where everybody is in here in their life. Sometimes I'm even curious to where I am. Where am I trying to go? How am I trying to get there? 
But all you have to do in order to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is do what this man did. Lord, I believe. And I want you to pay particular attention to the fact that he got his healing before he believed in God. He said, I believe. I believe. All you have to do is to come to a place in your life where you say, I believe. You may be saved already. You may already have a relationship with the Lord. And the Lord may be talking to you about moving to different levels and areas in your life that need work on. So you may not be physically blind, but there may be stuff in you that is just as bad as blindness. Like you may have a blind spot about this or a blind spot about that. All you've got to do is surrender to the Lord those areas and say to God, I believe. I believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that God can change your life? Do you believe that God can change your circumstances? Do you believe that God can change those people around you, those things that are wrong or going off kilter? Do you believe that God can heal your children and your family? Do you believe that God can change your workplace and your finances? Do you believe that God can change the very center part of you that has doubt about him? Yeah. He can change it all. Do you want to change today? We're going to have communion in just a moment. And we're going to celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, not only for salvation, but for more. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ, you're saved. And if there are things that aren't working just right in your life or need to be changed, God wants to partner with you. He will never, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so what he wants is to work with you on the areas of your life that need working on. He wants to help mature you, that you would be mature and lacking nothing, is what the Scripture says. So as we celebrate the body and the blood through communion, we take that in. It's a cracker and juice. But it's in our mind. I mean, what is it? Spittle and clay? Does it have healing power? Does belief that Jesus Christ died for us, shed his blood for us, gave his life for us, does it, does it change things? Is it real? Yes. Now, God, I thank you right now that, uh, Lord, that we believe. And, Father, you say in Scripture that the man that was healed said, we believe, and then he worshiped you. Father, today may we worship you. Father, today may we give our lives over all of those areas and little pockets and little corners of things that we need. And, Father, those areas that we're blind to, we have a blind spot. Maybe we've adjusted the mirror, God, so that we can't see it. Help us to adjust the mirror so we can see it, Father. And help us adjust our lives so that we can come in, in, in congruence with you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. So what we're going to do is... Uh, we're going to bring the uh, elements up. 
And uh, you want to just disperse them? Okay, so we'll just disperse them. If you would just hold them, and what we'll do at the end, everybody is welcome at the communion table. Everybody is welcome to, uh, to participate. And so as we pass this out, we're going to have some music and uh, just hold this, and we'll take communion together. Dear God, I thank you for each one here today. I thank you for what your body did hanging on the cross selflessly giving of your body to us. Father, I thank you for what your body did for those that walk the earth with him that could see you and touch you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you your body was made available to us so that through your body we could be part of the body of Christ. We thank you for your blood, O oh God. There's power in the blood. There is no redemption without shedding of blood. So, Father, we thank you now that we have the ability through your body and your blood to partake with you this communion to look and examine ourselves. As you say in the Scripture, examine yourself. See where we can adjust. We can make a difference. So we thank you, God, that your body and your blood have done that. And we thank you, God, as you hung on the cross and as your body was pierced, that your blood flowed out on this earth and redeemed us here on the earth through your blood. Redeem this very earth. And Father, through your resurrection, you showed the power of life after death, the power of life over death. We thank you, God. We thank you. And he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. Take from this And after dinner, he took the cup. He said, This is a cup, cup of my blood of the new covenant, the new promise. My blood was shed for you. Take all of it. God, I thank you today for your shed blood. I thank you today for your broken body. I thank you for me. Father, that today as we leave, we would take your body and your blood. Father, we would do like the blind man and say, I believe, and then worship you. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.